G'day, and thanks for joining us for this week's Two Ticks Town Talk, a segment of the Australia Talks podcast. I'm DK. And I'm RD. Please enjoy this segment from the regular podcast. All right, the common theme running across today's Two Ticks Town Talk is trees. Now, the town we've got today is Menjimup. That's a town in WA, Western Australia, um, 300 k's, almost 200 miles south of the state capital, Perth. Uh, it's got a population of about 4,500. Uh, it was named after, Menjimup was named after the Noongar words Manjin, which is a broadleaf edible reed, and up, uh, meeting place or place of. So Noongar was the uh, language, the Aboriginal people from around that area. The first tree-related theme is that Manjimup was first settled by timber cutter Thomas Muir, who took up land near the present town site in 1856. So timber cutting and related industries have been part of Manjimup's uh, history since then and right up to the present day. That's still a, um, still a big timber town. Uh, it was declared a town in 1910 and a railway from Perth uh, was completed in 1911. A couple of little factoids about it. Um, Menjimup exports ex- include Mary flooring, apples primarily to India. and oh. sp- Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought that was an interesting qualification. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And spring water to Saudi Arabia, Singapore, and India. What? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I threw them in. Sometimes you read these things and you think, oh, yeah, we export to that. But it was yeah. just so specific. So specific. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Caught my attention. There also, there's also research going on about growing green tea there. And uh, there's a lot of Japanese experts have identified Manjimup as uh, a suitable area for growing green tea based on its climate, green image, uh, Fertile soils and good rainfall. And also, uh, an apple developed there, the Crips Pink, uh, was created in Manjimup in 1973 by John Cripps, Western Department of Western Australian Department of Agriculture. And you might better know that as the Pink Lady Apple. Ah, I yeah. don't like them. They're shit. <laughs> 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 oh. I was thinking, I was like, oh, is that, I've never, I don't think I've ever had one of those. Yeah, no, I don't, I'm not a big fan of pink, uh, pink lady apples. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Kansy apples, love a Kansy apple, but pink Kansy ladies, apple. yeah, the pink ladies don't, don't scratch the itch. Uh, they made it across, um, made it across four continents. I don't, I don't mind a pink lady, but, uh, my favorite would be, uh, Fuji. Big Fuji fan. apples are very good too. Yeah. 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 I like the Fuji. Um. Yes, so that's a couple of the, 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 the those factoids. Sorry, but now the population expanded when Manjimup became part of the post World War One group settlement scheme, and this is where trees feature once again for for Manjimup. So the the group settlement scheme was uh, assisted migration scheme, which operated in Western Australia from the early nineteen twenties. Uh, the Premier James Mitchell got it started and 
It followed on from the soldier settlement scheme, which uh, had occurred immediately after World War One, where discharged soldiers uh, got land throughout Australia. So the group settlement uh, scheme was called group settlement because they decided they needed to have more than one person on the property. It targeted civilians and others who were otherwise ineligible for the soldier scheme, and its principal purpose was to provide a labour force to open up large tracts of potential agricultural land um, and reduce dependence on food imports from interstate, which I thought was an interesting Mm. one for WA rather than sort of like from international. It was more, well, how do we stop having to import food from those um, distasteful people on the East Coast? (laughs) (laughs) Those bloody East Coast people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the first group settlement uh, was at Manjimup in 1921. Uh, got 18... Uh, blocks. The UK government got on board as they saw it as a way to get um, rid of their dole queues, and over 6,000 people emigrated under that. So Mitchell's plan, the Premier's plan, was to give them uh, 40 to 65 hectare, 160-acre land holdings, to be cleared uh, of the trees and intensively cultivated uh, with, with experienced farmers on there uh, and they wanted to develop a self-sustaining dairy industry. In fact, <laughs> Premier Mitchell was nicknamed Moo Cow from his perceived obsession with the dairy industry. <laughs> uh, so, but look, he and the, his nationalists and country party colleagues uh, thought the unlimited land resources for closer settlement were keys to the state's economic promises. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, who would have thought with a government scheme? The promises made to, off, to applicants were often, unreal, often unrealistic, sometimes grossly misleading, and lots of people just said, bugger this, resigned and walked off after arrival, after they saw what was ahead of them. So those who did crack on, uh, a few communities endured the hardships and... Um, Lacking, lacking the necessary farming skills and uh, suitability for rural enterprise. And there was also often unsuitable equipment supplied for clearing the immense hardwood timber forests. Now, these are, I mean, they're huge trees over there. A lot of the um, tourist attractions of Manjimup involve climbing large trees for fire lookouts. And yeah, it's, it's very good. It's beautiful wood, um, beautiful hardwood timber. But by 1924, 30% of the migrants and 42% of the Australians had abandoned their allocations uh, just because it was so difficult to, to clear. Look, the settlers who stayed did become dairy farmers, and as these things happened, that endured till um, sort of the 1930s Great Depression when the price of butterfat collapsed. So... Look, even though the scheme didn't turn out as expected, the policy established a dairy industry, which is still running there today. So a number of farms were uh, were cleared by group waters, uh, by group workers. Um, townships grew as a result of it, and over 40,000 hectares, that's about 100,000 acres of land, was cleared by the scheme. So, wow. yeah. So... That was yeah. That's not the only industry that flourishes in Manjimup today. So for the final section, 
that's leading with a riddle. Why do Labradors wear booties in Manjim Up? Uh, I have a Labrador. Uh, why would I put booties on my Labrador? Because she's getting her feet are hot. Why would her feet be hot? Is it something to do with bushfires? I don't know. No, I like your thinking. No, it's 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 not. Um, but yeah, that was interesting thinking. Labradors wear booties in Manjim up, Manjim up to protect the truffles. So, ah. yeah, so this is the final part of the story and uh, that, that ties the trees and manger up together. The truffle industry in WA, uh, it's, it's been developed around the black truffle. What's that called? Tuber melanosporum, also known as French black truffle. They first did commercial plantings of the um, tuber melanosporum in WA in 1997, so not really that long ago. The first one was Harvest in 2003, and production has been steadily increasing since then. So the majority of WA-produced black truffles are exported. Manjimup is the leading Australian producer of black truffles, and uh, they're also involved in further research uh, as well in it. Uh, there's a little a truffle hotspot uh, of land within 30k radius of Manjimup, and it's produce it's responsible for producing around 93% of Australia's truffle exports. The region's the biggest producer in the southern hemisphere. Wow! Uh, yeah, there are, uh, tons of uh, black truffles each year. So back to the dog in booties, there's one bloke from a mob called the Truffle and Wine Company, uh, Alex Wilson, and he talks about how the dog will indicate that there's a truffle in the ground, then the hunter does some light exploration, finds the top of the truffle, takes a tiny slice to check colour and ripeness if it's early in the season, then tags the truffle and moves on. Each hunter might drop 800 tags a day. So if you can imagine doing 800 lunges a day plus digging on your hands and knees, it's not for the faint heart. (laughs) (laughs) You'd almost be wanting your dog to say, oh, yeah, no, there's nothing around there. (laughs) Bloody 800 lunges. God, just imagine their thighs. Apparently, each state in Australia produces truffles, except Northern Territory, um, but they're not even close, not even close to what um, what WA, and particularly Manjimup's doing. Uh, the truffles, and the black truffles they got sell... Well, oh, actually, let's, let's throw another question at you. How much, how, in Australian dollars, how much per kilogram... Um, do you think you would pay for a truffle, a black truffle? Oh, um, oh, it's got to be. I do like black truffles, but they are mm. quite, quite expensive. Though now that I think about it, though, I feel like truffle oil is like everywhere these days. So yep. maybe they're not as as expensive as I think. I don't know. I'm gonna say. Oh, I think a kilo of truffles has got to be hundreds of dollars, surely. I don't know, say $200 a kilo. I don't uh, know. Let's throw that onto a logarithmic scale. 
two and a half thousand bucks a kilogram that are getting for these black truffles. So two and a half thousand bucks a kilogram is oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no wonder they call it black gold. No wonder they're oh bloody my. happy with it. <laughs> uh, eight hundred lunges. I yeah, I'd do yep. eight hundred lunges for that sort of price. I cannot believe that. Holy moly! I know it's an enormous one. So they get so well that black truffle. That's the the second most uh, expensive in the world. The, there's one called the Alba White Truffles. Uh, it's foraged in Europe, but I haven't been able to farm it um, over here. Uh, so the dogs have got the booties on to ensure that there's no contact between the dog and the prized fungus. So as this bloke said, if you if they get a toenail through the truffle, it tends to devalue it. And also, keeping the dog's paws off the truffles enables them to receive halal certification. Oh, right. That makes sense, actually. Yeah. 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 Um, now, back to the, the trees. The, the, the wine company's Wilson said, the uh, reason why the cultivator black truffles are so prolific in the regions, the native carry trees, and he said that they produce a, a beautiful, rich carry loam, which has great organic material. It's low on clay and sand, clay and sand, uh, and also the climate they've got there. It's very sort of Mediterranean, and they're not on the coast, so they don't get the whole the uh, salt spray or harsh uh, winds. So it can take five to seven years for truffle crops to appear. Um, not fast turnaround, but they the output increases each year, which is also part of the reason that the output from Manjumup is increasing. Wow. So yeah, so look to have just on the a little finish off a little bit on the the technicals. So to have truffles, you have to have trees. Uh, truffles are the fungal fruiting body of a specialised uh, fungus known as mycot. Mycorrhiza. Uh, the mycorrhiza becomes colonized on the roots of certain host trees, mainly oaks, hazelnuts, and stone pines. So the fungus and roots live in a symbiotic relationship where the fungus uses the tree's resources created by photosynthesis, like you know, carbohydrates and sugars, and the tree receives solubilized nutrients like phosphate from the fungus. Yeah, so, cool. Yeah. So tree, uh, tree and fungus are in a mutually beneficial partnership. Um, in 2019, there were 70 known truffle orchid, orchards in WA, covering just over 300 hectares in total of these um, uh, inoculated trees. So you've also got those trees coming in and being brought in there. So look, from an early timber industry that continues to this day through arduous clearing of trees to make farming land to the hundreds of hectares of new varieties needed to grow truffles, Manjamuff is definitely a town that grows on trees. That's, I love that idea of you've cut the forest down for farmland and now you're replanting it for truffles. It's yeah. just, there's a little bit of irony there, isn't there? Um, there is. Wow. Yeah, there that's it is. cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was interesting. That is really cool. Because I imagine there's some of these, because these are like ancient forests, there must be some oh. huge trees in this area as well. Oh, yeah, look, massive. I didn't, I, I, I 
can't quote you anything. I have seen the pictures of them and they're just like ridiculously scary high if you're having to climb climb up them. Um, but, yes, they are very old, very old growth. I mean, it was what attracted people there. It's just such good, big, hardwood forest. Yeah, and some of these hardwoods are like uh, we have a lot of uh, iron bark, uh, mm. the type of gum. Uh, up here and it's like it's the most beautiful wood to 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 have uh and it lasts forever but the problem is it's so difficult to work with it's like concrete it's it's incredibly hard to to cut and uh and drill through and everything like that it's it's an it's it's sort of a nightmare it's a blessing and a curse because it it is it lasts forever so once you build something out of it um you know or or use it as like garden edging or, or something like that it's perfectly fine in the ground it'll it's very stable and everything like that but um it is very difficult to work with unfortunately so um but no, very cool. The town of Manjimup. Never even heard of it before, but there you go. That that area of WA, um, that sort of like southern WA below below Perth, is an area that's very much a, a, a blind spot to me. I'm not I'm not familiar with that area really at all. But I've heard oh, that it's really beautiful. really lovely. Yeah, yeah I've only been there once, but yeah, it's got that as you said, that Mediterranean sort of climate. I'm, I'm actually surprised it's not more populated. Um, probably everyone from that area is telling me to shut up because they don't <laughs> want to be bombarded with with um, with new people moving into the area. It's their nice, nice, wonderful little quiet area of Australia of the world. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little bit of an open secret, but it is uh, another thing. We're building up a list of places we'd like to see. <laughs> Yes, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna have to quit everything. Yeah. Buy a caravan. I'm just gonna have to start driving around and go, go, uh, go all around Australia uh, to see all these wonderful places that we talk about. So. Mm-hmm.